Welcome to the exam room. I'm your host, Brian Vardabedian. Recently, I had the chance to sit down with Dr. Mark Shapiro, host of Explore the Space, one of medicine's fastest growing podcasts and one of my favorites. We had a great conversation. As you'll see, it's really just a couple of docs sitting down talking about how we get into making media and why it works for us. I think it's an important conversation to help understand something about what I call medicine's creative class. That's those doctors who are out creating and making media. As a reminder, if you're enjoying the exam room, please subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen. These kinds of stats are really important for me as a podcaster. I could use your help and enjoy the show. For most consumers, the search for a healthcare provider is a frustrating maze of bewildering choices and unanswered questions. And they really want to hear what other patients have to say in order to make a decision with confidence. With Loyal's Empower Solution, you have the tools to do just that. Empower your patients, the patient, and provide a solution. Maximizing star ratings while introducing deeper insights into what patients really are saying about their experience. You could sort, approve, and publish patient reviews of physicians, services, and even practices using some of the intelligent features like auto-approval and syntax highlighting. To learn more, visit them online at loyalhealth.com. Dr. Mark Shapiro, welcome to the exam room. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. I appreciate that you didn't make me change into a gown. That's right. Uh, yeah, this is the exam room, um, and, and we name it as such because uncomfortable probing happens here. So. <laughs> exactly. So, great. Um, well, listen, I may just tell you right up front, Explore the Space is one of my new favorite podcasts, and as someone who is kind of myself just getting into podcasting, going back and uh, reading some of the amazing content that you have has really been inspirational and instructive for me. So thanks for making all that. I'm I'm really, really flattered to hear you say that. I really appreciate it. Feedback is extraordinarily meaningful. I'm really fortunate that amazing people have agreed to come on, explore the space and talk about the wonderful work that they're doing and share the adventures they've had and the challenges that they faced and the work that they're doing to improve life, to to change perspectives. And so that it's having an impact and that it's affected you. I, I, I'm beaming. I'm really, really proud and pleased to hear that. Thank you. No, and you had some uh, remarkable guests. Um, if you guys go over to his uh, site, explore the is it explore the space show? Yeah, explore the space show dot com. Yeah, head over there, and you can you can go through over a hundred shows that he has, and uh, really some remarkably powerful guests. Uh, Jeffrey Drazen from the New England Journal of Medicine was one, right? That's right. I had Doctor Drazen on. He is the editor-in-chief of the New England Journal, and we took the perspective of what is the role of the New England Journal of Medicine in informing the public around health-related issues. He was steering the journal towards much more forward-facing content around politics and public health, editorials around gun violence and natural disasters, and editorial-seeking during the 2016 presidential election. It was a really, really fascinating conversation to discuss the evolution of this pillar of medical literature becoming something that is more accessible to a much larger readership. Yeah, I know. I found that interview really kind of personalized in the New England Journal. You know, I look at this journal as this iconic thing, you know, and hearing him talk about 
the discussions they have about the trajectory and where to take things and the things that happen internally that they've struggled with really put a human face on the New England Journal. And so uh, it was really insightful. Yeah, no, I agree. And and just hearing his passion and energy, right? This is the editor-in-chief of it. You can see and feel how invested he is in doing something that is meaningful on a week-to-week basis so that it's not just professors and fellows and medical students that read right. this, but that anyone can pick it up and say, hey, I this is important. There's an editorial in here around gun violence. I'm going to read this. And, and I think that that's really intelligent. And it was really exciting to hear how fired up, how motivated he was to drive that. Right. And, and you know, it's funny, after hearing your interview, looking at what's happening in the New England Journal, it gave me some context because you you start to see some of these social issues coming up in the New England Journal, right? Um, gun violence and burnout and things that maybe a few years back they never would have touched, right? I would agree with that. And I would also go so far as to say that the New England Journal is doing really interesting work in what I like to call catch-up. And I think that's something that you and I have really had some interesting conversations about. They are, right, it's this, it's a paper journal. It is old school to the extreme, but they have Mm -hmm. really rapidly moved the needle in terms of getting active on social media and creating podcasts. And when they release an important article, they connect a podcast to it. They push the author out there so that you can see, hey, this is a subject matter expert. Anybody can read what they're doing. I I think that that approach is really intelligent. It's this idea of go to where your audience is. Give the people what they want. Everyone is on social media in some form. Podcasting is exploding. It's the fastest form of media that's growing. So they're getting out there, and I think that that's intelligent. I think it's brave. And most importantly, I think it sets the right example for physicians, for healthcare providers to move into that space. Yeah, they've done a tremendous job of using various channels of new media to get the message out from the New England Journal of Medicine and stepped out of that 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 stayed vision that we have of the New England Journal. That's right. That's right. So thinking of podcasting, you said a moment ago that podcasting is exploding. Why did you – start podcasting, Mark. I wasn't there when during your yeah. earlier months. Walk us through how you thought about it. So I was sort of an early adopter. Explore the Space launched in 2015, uh, which is early for wow. a podcast. Yeah. My first episode that. is May of 2015. And so for me, it, it's a journey that goes all the way back. I've always loved audiobooks. I've always loved uh, oral tradition. I've always loved live shows that are a speaking engagement. You know, I'd Henry Rollins would do these incredible speaking shows where he would get up and tell stories for two and a half hours without stopping. Those sorts of things, books on cassette, I've always loved that. I've loved that idea of people exchanging ideas just by talking. There's a spontaneity to it. There's an energy to it. It's, it's, it's just fabulous, and it really resonates with me, and it always had. I was doing some work with a colleague creating content uh, for hospitalists, which is what I do, around performance improvement and coaching and better communication strategies. It's called the Clinician Experience Project with Steve Beeson, who's been my physician coach, and he's just a wonderful guy. And I'm telling him, Steve, this is an incredible platform, and you guys should really create a podcast. There's it, That industry, that space is really growing quickly, and they did, and I got to participate in some. And two things happened. One, I realized that being on the other side of the microphone was incredibly exciting guiding the conversation in a direction that I thought was right, but also giving the guest space to drive the narrative. Oh my gosh, what a thrill. And then the second one is it wasn't that hard to do technically. I thought it was Mm -hmm. a big barrier learning the technical side and it wasn't. So I said, you know what, I'm going to give this a try. And what happened really quickly, the third major sort of barrier to overcome was that reaching out to guests, you know, 
pinging Brian Vardabedian with his many, many thousands of Twitter followers. I was scared to do things like that initially. But what I realized is I would send an email. I would say, here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'd like to talk about. Almost everybody that I pinged said yes. To this day, almost everybody that I ping says yes. They don't know me from a hole in the wall. I can't pay Mm -hmm. them. It's they want to talk about what they're doing. They are excited. They are proud of what they're doing. And they recognize the importance of podcasting. And so here we are. We're off and running. And it's incredible. We're coming up on our 100th episode. And it's just, it's an extraordinary journey. Yeah. So when you give people the platform to talk about their passions, it uh, actually becomes easy for people to sort of buy into this and jump on your show, right? I think that's a really intelligent way to put it, actually. I think that, yes, it, it gets back again to that idea of meeting people where they live, where they want to be. I'm coming to them. Uh, we do most of the episodes, you know, I don't travel to do them and I don't I have a mobile studio. So we do them over Skype and the sound quality is perfect. It allows people mm-hmm. to be comfortable. They get to be themselves. And we are working on material that they're really, really good at. And I'm coming as the inquisitive student. It's almost like coming to office hours. You know, when I was at UCLA, I'd go to my professor's office and we would sit and talk history for an hour. That's the idea, right? So I get to bring that enthusiasm. I get to talk with Jocko Willink about leadership from the perspective of a Navy SEAL. That's exciting. There's something to learn there. I get to talk to, you know, Jeffrey Drazen, as you pointed out, or Bob Wachter, or Eric Topol, or, you know, I had... All these incredible people. Colleen Kraft, the president of the American Academy of Pediatrics. Yeah. These sorts of things. I mean, my goodness gracious, I'm as giddy as anybody talking to them. So, you know, I look at I look at your guest list and um, you can go on explorethespaceshow.com and uh, see all the amazing guests that, uh, that Mark has. And I look at them and I say, how did he get this person on there? Yeah. So. So hats off to you for sort of taking <laughs> that step. I still get though, too. I remember when I, I had emailed Mona Hanna Atisha to come and talk about her book and talk about her extraordinary work in Flint, Michigan. And I got an email back from her saying, yeah, Mark, I'm happy to do it. Let's find a date. And I called my wife. I was like, honey, you're not going to believe it. She's going to come on. The <laughs> it's so exciting. I mean, these people are proper celebrities in the work that we do. So when right. they say they want to come on, it's really exciting. So I don't know if you've had this experience, Mark, but you know, when you prepare to um, interview a a guest and you're looking at their research article or the body of work, you really have to kind of understand what they've done in order to be an intelligent host, right? Yeah. I think that that's important to have a good sense of what they've done, but I don't want to overstudy. I do want to come to the conversation with a sense of inquisitiveness. I am very curious about the why. Why did you get into this? What prompted you? And then I'm always really curious too, not so much about the content, because people can go to the content and read it for themselves. I don't want to step on the work that they've done. I want Mm -hmm. to talk about what levers we can pull to make something different, something better. So we do a lot of stuff around leadership. We do a lot of stuff around team-based culture. We do a lot of stuff around illness and recovery. We do a lot of episodes around the mental and physical edge. So when I have somebody who has run the Badwater 135 marathon, 135 miles through Death Valley in July, I want to learn what levers do you pull to keep your mind in a place where you can continue to do the hard work? Because that is something that anyone else can extrapolate. I'm not going to run 135 miles through Death Valley, but I'm going to face challenges in my life where I will need a level of mental toughness that I'm not sure that I have. So when Michelle West tells me, Mark, I'm at a mile 100, my feet are blistered, I'm sweating, I'm hurting, and all I want to do is quit, but I don't. And here are the levers that I pulled so I don't quit. 
that's the stuff that I want to get to because then when I face a challenge or when one of my listeners faces a challenge, it doesn't matter what the challenge is. This stuff is universal. When you're above the shoulders and you need to knuckle down and get something done, that's the expertise that I want to tease out. Those are, I want to learn those levers that I can pull. You have a great way of uh, taking a subject, turning it a little bit by 30 degrees and looking at it from a slightly different angle. And I think that's where the real value comes from for me as a listener is that you ask some of the the interesting questions that give me a slightly different perspective on it. And I think that's where the value comes from, which is always what we're trying to create with media, right? That's really nice of you to say. I uh, I think that there is value in coming at things from a little bit of a different perspective for sure. I don't want to put my guests on the back foot. I want them to really feel like they can step into the the questions that we're asking. But yes, I don't just sort of say, give me a recap, you know, of of the run, give me a recap of the book. We can read the book. I want people to read the book. You know, I wanna I wanna tackle it from a perspective of, okay, let's get the value added now. You've written this book. You've told us why you've written this book. What are we supposed to do with it? Right? I'll mm-hmm. some of that out, but hey, I've got you for 30 minutes. As a physician, as a nurse practitioner, as a healthcare administrator, as a patient advocate, give me a sense of how do I pull levers and what levers should I be looking for? And you probably have the same experience too. When you prepare, uh, when you read a book or read a, a, a key article and you prepare to interview someone, you have real knowledge of that piece of work. And, and I think we said this a couple of couple of weeks ago when we spoke on the phone that you know, some, of these, some of these guests, I could stand up on a stage and kind of talk about them spontaneously based upon what I prepared and what I understood. Absolutely. And I think that that is part of being able to craft these conversations the way that you want to do them when you're hosting a show, the way that I want to do it when I'm hosting a show. There's a nuance to this, right? There's so many different kinds of podcasts that are out there. And I think that this is one of the fun places, you know, you're an early adopter too. When we look at medical podcasting and podcasting related to healthcare topics in 20 years, it's going to be a totally different sport. So we are really kind of turning over new earth right now, but I think Mm -hmm. it is important to be well-informed and to be able to bring out the best in your guest without stepping all over them so that they get to really shine. And that's the part that we're doing right now. I'm not crafting episodes like they do on you know, NPR where it's these long sort of narrative things with music and stuff. I don't have time to do that. I would love to, but hey, I'm a, I'm a full-time clinician. I'm a medical healthcare administrator. Right. I've got physician coaching responsibility. I've got a lot going on. And oh, by the way, I'm a dad and a husband and a friend and all these things. But I also feel really, really driven to connect with Brian Bartabedian and all of these wonderful people and drive these messages because this is also really important. And now, oh my goodness gracious, the platform we have to move the needle on things that are important, not that we just feel are important, they're important. It's pretty compelling. Right. It's almost an obligation sometimes that I feel. Now, that's a really thoughtful point. I like that where we can talk about how there was a really interesting conversation I was having with some folks actually on Twitter about what is the role of being active on social media and creating right. these long threads that are really interesting about there mm-hmm. are some incredible threads that that describe you know medical pathophysiology or leadership or these different things this is part of it this is part of the obligation of doing the work that we do is if there is something that we can share we should if there is something that we can make more transparent 
we should do it. And that's the goal of, that's where I got the name Explore the Space. People ask me what's the mm-hmm. show about. It's about the interface of healthcare and society and how do we bring them closer together. Healthcare is confusing. It can be scary. It can be rewarding. It can be the greatest triumph and it can be the worst day. And so we have a, an obligation to smooth the rough edges because everyone will encounter healthcare at some point. You know, it's funny, I guess about, uh, I don't know, seven or eight years ago, my blog, I, it, as doctors were starting to really kind of emerge in social media in the early years, I wrote this post on this moral obligation to participate. And it kind of turned everything on its head because uh, and until, I don't want to say until that point, but around that time, people were, were starting to see this value of us creating media and creating content for people to consume. And uh, it is an interesting th- interesting way to kind of sway people into content creation or podcasting or blogging is that we have this obligation to do that. The idea that you were doing that seven years ago is so inspiring because docs were not thinking about it then. And I'm I'm curious now, what happened seven years ago? You're writing that article about a moral obligation for physicians to engage on social media and begin to share what what triggered that seven I'm I'm stunned. I didn't realize it was that long ago. So I, I guess I, I was blogging in the mid two thousands. For I guess for maybe the listeners know, I, I, I started a um, I started a, a blog when I wrote a book called Parenting Solved, and it was really just kind of a scheme to uh, sell more books. And I thought it would last a few months, but um, again, this is this is before social media. But uh, I realized that when I when I had that blog up for a couple of months that I had a platform to the world, and uh, then jumped on Twitter in two thousand eight and. Um, and just saw all the value of us being on public networks and educating the public and engaging with patients. And uh, uh, it's been a real ride. Have you ever had a patient circle back and say, hey, Dr. V, I, I read something that you wrote or I heard something that you created? Uh, yeah, you know, it, 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 we'll get into this with you, but I don't, interestingly, I don't talk about yeah. Digestive health. I'm a pediatric gastroenterologist, but yeah. I don't talk about digestive health. And so it's so funny. These young mothers will come in. They're millennials and they'll uh, – we'll jump into conversations about mobile apps and how technology is changing things And because they've read a lot of you know the stuff that I've written and they're, they're, they're fascinated. And this is one of the, the, the great things about creating media like this is people see a side of you that they've never seen before. And maybe your patients have seen the same thing. I had an experience last week where a colleague of mine – at the hospital who does all of our work around case management. She's the director of our case management program, which is a very robust program. Obviously, as the hospital's medical director, she and I work very, very closely together. I'm the same Describe as you. Case I don't, management, Mark, what is, for the listeners who aren't. Oh, I apologize. Uh, yeah. So she, her department is basically in charge of when we're managing an inpatient in the hospital, we're helping manage their illness, but we're also working through the social determinants of health and we're figuring out what is the patient's needs to help them safely exit the hospital. Do they need medical equipment? Do they need outpatient rehabilitation? How do we set up their follow-up appointments? Do they need any of their medication prescriptions prior authorized by their insurance company? Do they possibly need more intensive rehabilitation? There's a whole process, a whole checklist that we go through, and our case managers are the ones that drive that work. And so they are right at our shoulder the whole time we're managing patients in the hospital, and there's a tremendous amount of overlap. So she and I interact, and obviously the hospitalists are interacting with the case managers every day. I'm the same as you. I don't talk about my podcast that much at work at all. I've had some people mm-hmm. kind of come to me and say, hey, I randomly came across this podcast. Is this you? I say, yeah, it is. That's really, really cool. So 
she found the podcast and we were in a meeting and she used finding explore the space as our meeting reflection to say it is so exciting to work with so many incredibly talented people not just mark because he has this podcast but this prompted it for me to share with everyone that we have such diverse interests we're so skilled we're so motivated and to hear her say that and to make everyone kind of we all got to share in that glow of one person realizing this group is so talented we're so smart we're so engaged that was a real moment and that felt really good wow Hey, do you, Mark, do you ever have people or docs come up to you and say, hey, how do I start a podcast or why, how do I do that? I, you have people approach Yeah, you? I have. You know, most of them approach not so much from the question of how do I start it? They start from, I can't believe you started it. Gosh, it must be hard. How do you find the time? All right. of the barriers that I explained that I kind of moved through in, you know, 2013, 2014, it's, they're framed more as statements as opposed to questions. So I really try to help people feel encouraged that there are barriers that they can absolutely get through, that you can figure out how to do it. It is not hard to do. But then the part that I think is really important, and I think that you're really good at this too, is get in the pool, man. We are here to support each other. This is not competitive. We are not trying to crowd somebody out. The, the, the pool is open. The water is fine. Jump in. We are here to elevate each other. Everyone has different strengths and approaches. Bring your expertise, bring your ideas and get in the pool and put your podcast up. This is a funny phenomenon that I've experienced and I maybe see it less now than I did five years ago, but people would come up to me and say, how do I get permission to start a blog? Yeah. And there's this this feeling, you know, you know, Medicine is kind of a permission-based culture. We don't communicate until <laughs> sure we're given permission. You know, we're invited to the microphone at the, the meeting, or we're invited to this, this, that, or the other thing. And we have this feeling that we can only jump in when someone within the hierarchy of medicine gives us the nod, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That, that's a major barrier that you've identified, that feeling of, ooh, I shouldn't do this. I'm going to get in trouble. Right. You are pretty safe. I mean, Explore the Space is a, is a safe I, – I, I, I mean, it's compelling, but it's – you don't – really, at least I haven't heard an episode that really pushes some hard buttons, but have you ever had a point where anyone's approached you and said, hey, wait a minute, that's a little over the line, Mark? That's a great question. So I am very careful. I don't use my employer's names. Um, and I've always been very transparent with my employers. Hey, I'm doing this work and it's my, it, it's my project. Um, we can partner for sure, but I don't sort of say, and I certainly don't bring up, you know, patient names or do anything that, that could violate HIPAA. Um, we right. don't dispense medical advice on the show and, you know, things that can be perceived as being medical advice. There's the disclaimer on the website and all of the podcasts. We all do that, right? That's just smart. Um, that being said, I do feel compelled to paddle into some controversial topics. Uh, we mm -hmm. had Colleen Kraft on the show She's the president, or she just completed her term as president of the American Academy of Pediatrics. She came on the show about a week after she'd been at the border in Texas and had toured some of the encampments where children who'd been separated from their families were being were being held, and that was controversial. And as a as a good friend and colleague of mine says, you know, sometimes you have to step into the tension, and that was one of those where I felt compelled to have her on the show. And to talk about that and to give her a voice. Now, she'd been on every major news platform already and she her story had been well told, but it doesn't matter. You know, I'm a physician and it's a very different interview when you have a physician interviewing you on something like that. And that feels really right. That feels really important. And moving forward, I have a, a whole host of episodes coming up where we're going to step into the tension and that's okay. And people aren't always going to agree with the takes of the guest or potentially my takes. And that is okay. 
But there are things that are out there where, like we've talked about, there is that sense of obligation. We need to get into the mix a little bit. And that feels that feels like the right work. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast on the Touchpoint Media Network. I'm Greg Matthews, the host of the Data Point podcast. Data Point is all about how data and analytics are driving healthcare innovation today and in the future. If you enjoy this podcast, I think you might want to give mine a try too. So when you finish up here, head on out to touchpoint.health and subscribe to the Data Point podcast. You also want to check out some of the other great healthcare podcasts there as well. Have a great day and thanks for listening. That tension is so important, Mark. Uh, we have a panel coming up at South by Southwest on the Open Notes project that's uh, that's uh, happening out of the, the the Beth Israel Deaconess in Boston. And one of the points I made to our panel is, listen, the audience isn't going to understand anything unless we create some tension that allows the listener to understand what the issues are, right? Yep. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so it's that idea of starting way further upstream so that your listeners who aren't docs can understand what you're talking about. We can make our conversations completely blocked off. We can wall them off so easily by one thing, medical lingo. If we choose to right. make it where no one can understand it but us, we can do that, but we shouldn't. We should make it where, just like you're, if you're going to talk open notes, your conversation should be an open note. Right. So you don't talk about hospital medicine. Your show is not about hospital medicine, yet so many physicians that I talk to or health professionals are like, they feel like when they make media or they participate, they have to be talking about their subspecialty. They feel very pigeonholed. Hmm. What would you say to that? Yeah. You know, you're right. We don't talk hospital medicine on the podcast. We talk about some themes that are relevant to hospital medicine. We've had some good episodes thinking about what is the experience of being in the hospital like for a patient? these sorts of things. But you're absolutely right. It is not a hospital medicine-based podcast. I think that that's part of the exercise for a physician who starts a show, a blog, a podcast, being active on social media is to move away a little bit. Like you said, you don't do you, you do not do a pediatric digestive health podcast. You could. I would imagine right. that corner is open. But right. to leverage your skills, to leverage your intelligence, to leverage your enthusiasm to the place that we as the listeners need it to be, we also want you doing the other stuff. We want you doing the value added. We want you doing the stuff that makes you a person in addition to being an expert in pediatric digestive health. You know, I consider this, Mark, to be one of the most exciting times to be in medicine. We look at the exponential changes that are happening in technology and how us as humans are responding and reacting to that technology is the thing that I think about it at, at night. And let me, let me segue into that for you. Do you find yourself getting really excited before a show or the morning of a show, thinking about what that's going to be like when you're at work? I get so fired up when I, from the moment I send right. the email to, to yes. a guest that I would like to have on the show, did they reply? Have I gotten, have I gotten a ping back? Oh shoot. I haven't right. been back. And then a few days elapsed and you're like, ah, shoot, they're probably not going to get back to me. So there's that little whiff of disappointment. And then you check your inbox and it's a ping and they say, yeah, hey, Mark, it's me and I got your email and this sounds great. Yeah. When do you want to record? From that point on, oh my goodness gracious, what are we going to talk about? Uh, how's it going to work? Oh my gosh, what if there's technical problems? Right. Those sorts of things. Yes, I, I get very, very excited. But it's funny that you ask that because in the moment, I feel really relaxed. I feel really calm and chill. And I think that part of that is I remind myself that they are 
as excited as I am, not mm-hmm. because they're talking to Mark Shapiro. They are excited because they're talking about what they've done. They're talking about what they've accomplished. They're talking about something they feel strongly about. So let's this is a this is an 80-foot wave that we get to surf down together. So it makes it feel really, really fun. That's great. So this is one of let's put this into the context and of, of one of the bigger problems that we're facing, which is physician burnout. Mm-hmm. When I look at my life, when I listen to you talk as an individual who's really passionate about making media and thinking about a show and a guest, I, you know, I, I can't help but think the problem with some of these doctors who are so desperately burnt out is that they don't have a thing. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do. They don't have a and- thing. You know, they don't show, you know, the, when I get up in the morning and I'm, I'm looking at, you know what I'm talking about, they don't have a thing that they're inspired to do that's connected to medicine like you and I have. I think that that's a huge driver of it. Um, physician burnout is such a complex topic. There is not one single magic button that's going to fix it because as we yes. break physician burnout down, the drivers of what makes you feel burnt out are going to be totally different from what might make me feel burnt out. And that exactly. is okay. So we have to look at what are obviously major underpinnings, what's the low-hanging fruit, but also what are easily replicable solutions. It is pretty clear that having something that makes you feel sustained outside of the practice of medicine is vitally important. And that goes all the way back to, you know, I remember reading letters to a young doctor. And in that book, he this wonderful surgeon from Yale, Richard Selzer, talks about he had every Tuesday from noon till the end of the day off every single day. No, no and he he respected it. No OR, no calls, no nothing. And he would read and he would write and he would exercise and he would be with his family and he would do these different things. It's very difficult for physicians and everybody else to replicate that now because of the intrusions of social media and email and being access, able to access the electronic medical record from home. It's really, really hard to do that. Um, but it is really important, I think, for physicians to carve out something that feels meaningful and sustaining because we also have to remember we do difficult work. And, you know, I've been a physician for oh, 13 yeah. years. There are stretches where I feel as good as you can imagine and I just get crushed. And something happens where I am so sad or so tired or so frazzled. And I feel that feeling of I'm burned out. But then it, it does fade. So it's such a massive topic. But yes, to get back to your question, I think it's fundamental that physicians are able to do that. And I think that the intelligent and forward-thinking training programs, medical schools, residencies, fellowships, practices will encourage their, their colleagues to incorporate those, to express them. As an example, UC San Francisco's Department of Internal Medicine, they host, I think it's like twice a year a concert where the house staff comes and they play the musical instruments that they're experts in. They have to practice. They have to get ready. Right. And they put on right. a recital and it's a big deal. It's really cool. But it's also a tacit reminder of, hey, we respect that you guys have an interest in music and we want to carve out time for you to practice. And then we want to share in your expertise. We want to share in your talent. And I think that having those cultural infrastructure that allows people to do that is going to be really right. important. So that's the institutional piece. I do think that physicians, and this is probably not so politically correct, but we have to assume some responsibility for our own trajectory as well. Um, I think we like to see ourselves as victims of the EHR and victims of the system and uh, that sort of thing. But I think we have to find our own way out of this on some level individually, right? I agree with you 100%. And, you know, 
I'll circle back to my own show. I learned that from reading a leadership book that I did not think was going to resonate at all. It was called Extreme Ownership. It was by Jocko Willink and Leif Babin. They're two retired Navy SEALs. It's a very intense book, um, but it talks about this idea of we as individuals have a responsibility to take ownership for problems and work to figure out solutions. The thing about the book is that it just it just it's uncompromising in that perspective, and then it lays out reasonable strategies to help anyone first of all internalize that idea of i can i can take responsibility and start to drive change and in that i thought it was very very meaningful and one of the people who works with them dave burke he's been on my show he wrote this extraordinary article around changing perspectives on perfection and putting those two things together puts me right in the camp next to you of whether we want to or not we as physicians, nurses, healthcare providers, not only should we feel empowered to, we have a responsibility to because we, our profession has to continue. We can drive change from the bottom up. We are incredibly powerful, right? Mona Hanna Atisha says, we have a megaphone. We have to keep it turned on. She's right. And she's the living example of that. And I think as physicians realize how much power they actually have, if they start to mobilize first individually, and then as twos and fours and tens, and then medical groups, we can really drive substantial change. And Mark, some of these people you're referencing here have been guests on Explore the Space, right? Yeah. And that's the thing about it that's so exciting for me. And you asked about what makes me excited. I go into a show wondering, what am I going to learn from this person? I've read the book. I've seen the TED Talk. I've mm -hmm. read the article, whatever the case may be. I'm going to get something out of this that I am not expecting. And that's what I want people who listen to the show to be able to enjoy as well, that they're going to get something that they did not anticipate and that is really going to resonate. So I'll tell you a little secret thing here. I have an iPad Pro and I have an app called Procreate, which is a drawing app. And I secretly sort of do cartooning and sketching. And if you follow the blog, I use these whiteboards in my exam room. One of my favorite casts that you have done has been with Grace Ferris, who is oh my a gosh. cartoonist. Wasn't that amazing? I loved it. In fact, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go and listen to it again. The listeners, drop what you're doing. Go to Explore Space and and look at this interview with Grace Ferris, who's a cartoonist. What was that like? Uh, I I discovered Grace Ferris. She's a hospitalist like me. She's on the East Coast, and I discovered her work on social media. I think she got published. I think on BuzzFeed they they found her, and then I find out that my wife had already been following her on Instagram. Wow. And I started reading all of her comics. I love comics. I always have. They're great. Right. Fun. And then I start reading what she's doing. And they're some of the ones that she's done around parenthood, motherhood, hysterical, brilliant, biting satire. And then mm -hmm. I started seeing the ones that she was doing around being a doc, around being a hospitalist. And I was like, in one panel, in one comic panel, she captures the entire experience of discharging a patient or transferring care to a colleague. I mean, she's so talented. And they're so right. good. They're so thoughtful and nuanced. And so same thing. I was like, look, she does not know me from a hole in the wall. I'm going to email her. She emailed me back, Mark, I'm in. Let's do this. It was the most wonderful conversation. And now if you follow her on social media, she does. She, she will do comic narration for lectures. And so the lecture right. just comes alive. Like sketch notes. Yeah, exactly. And to yeah. hear that you're doing that. Oh, my gosh. That is so cool. Meet the people where they live. Everyone loves comics. They're awesome. We all read Calvin and Hobbes in the far side and Brightfield right. and everyone did. They're, they're ubiquitous. If you can illustrate medicine like that, that's brilliant. 
one of the things I loved about that that interview was this this concept that certain things can be expressed better graphically, and and hearing how she uses uh, the vibration and the line of a of a sketch to oh kind of send a subtle message, it 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 really it really resonated with me. I felt like I was talking with a, a master violinist or right. a conductor of a symphony or something. I, this is a person that we're going to just hear a lot more from. And what was interesting about that is in the feedback that I got from the episode, it's surprising how many physicians are out there doing this. There is a, there is a conference called Graphic Medicine and they're soliciting. Right. Yeah, she talks know, about so, that. Yeah. It's 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 booming. It's incredible. The Guardian, the largest one of the largest papers in the United Kingdom, published this beautiful discussion, all done as a graphic novel around mm-hmm. a person relating an experience of being an intern and caring for someone with a bowel obstruction in the hospital, and it was extraordinary. So I think that again, this evolution of how we can express ourselves is going really, really fast. But that episode with Grace Ferris was very special. Yeah, this is uh, what I call the rise of medicine's creative class. It's it's a it's a That's group of smart. physicians who who kind of they were in this space by themselves, and with the democratization of media, we're discovering these amazing voices like Grace. And there's there's lots of people like Grace. I mean, Grace is amazing, but there's there's lots of docs doing stuff like this, and some are podcasting, some are sketching, some are doing alternative forms of writing. Uh, and, and to me, it's just intoxicating to watch it all evolve. We are at the we're at the tip. It is going to we're we're nowhere close to the explosion, don't you think? I mean, I think that oh, there's absolutely. so many people out there that are like, wait a minute, I get to express myself too. Look what I do. It's just it's it's incredible. And we're seeing the sides of people that we never really understood, yeah. really up until we had the capacity to make our own media. The public affairs office at the AMA or the hospital decided what we would look like. We were all, you know, white hair, white skin, white coat, right? The, the white trifecta. And I mean, we all looked one way and uh, we're seeing all these, how, how Grace talks about, you know, what it's like to be a mother and, you know, it was these cartoons as a doctor and uh, it's, it's crazy. And it's also important, right? This is very important. Early days of that story being told and the challenges that come with being a mother and being a professional and the, the times that being a physician who wants to be a mother or is a mother are treated incorrectly. And that's the harsh reality that comes out of a lot of these things too. And that's also really important. That needs to be heard. And mm-hmm. more importantly, not just heard, it needs to be repaired. It needs to be fixed. And we can surface these stories through podcasting, through social media, through cartooning, through the graphic arts, whatever the case may be. But we can start to tell these stories because that also will move the needle to make our profession really soar. And I think you hit, hit the key point there, which is understanding uh, what's what's happening. I never really understood what was happening with gender inequity until I really started following and watching and listening to what women in medicine and academic medicine were facing or what it's like to raise a kid or even our patients swimming in the same pool with our patients with chronic disease and understanding their issues has been absolutely transformative for me. Transformative is the right word. And I think it's only going to become richer and more compelling as more and more people feel empowered to share, to share and to learn and to kind of discover together. Mark, let's say someone listening, be it a health professional, a nurse, a advanced practitioner or a doctor wants to start a podcast, uh, 
or even a blog or any kind of media like this, what would your what would your thinking be if you were sitting across from them at a at a at a at a bar or a coffee shop? So I would I, I have refined my approach when this comes up. I have moved from the oh, just go ahead and do it. I would ask them, what do you feel like the barriers are to doing it? Let's get let's get granular. What are the barriers for you to start? Okay. And they will say, well, it's time, or it's I'm really intimidated by technology, or I don't know how to, I don't know if I have the right equipment or I feel like it's going to be cost prohibitive because look, I have a laptop, but I can't afford a studio. I think by getting, and that's been part of my maturation process in all forms of mentorship and coaching from, you know, just, oh, you can do it to, Hey, what are, what are the, let's do some, let's do some inquiry here. What are the barriers for you? What are your strengths? What's driving you to feel like you want to do it? What story do you want to tell? Uh, one of the people that I've had on the show, Emily Silverman, she does this extraordinary storytelling podcast called The Nocturnus. I've learned so much about the art of storytelling from her. They're amazing. Like the moth, but for physicians, and it's incredible. Tell what, what what do you want to talk about? So on the one side, it's what are your strengths? What are your inspirations? What do you want to do? And then on the other side, what are the barriers? What's keeping you from doing it? And let's see if we can move some of those barriers aside. That's the first part. Um, and then it's really just a, a process of continually encouraging them and making them feel like you are welcomed in this space. This is not cutthroat. You know, none of us are making money off this. This is purely for for love and appreciation and learning and excitement. And we want you in this space. So keep going, keep pushing. I'm going to plug you on social media. I'm going to plug you on email. I'm going to plug you on my show. We're going to do this work together. So you know, we're that's the motivating that's the motivating part. But it's really what feels good, what's exciting for you, what do you want to do? And then it's what are the barriers and how do we move them aside? One of the things that I've found to be really helpful when counseling physicians moving into new media uh, is to find people doing something similar to what you want to do, then watch them for a while. Mm -hmm. You want to start a podcast uh, um, that covers a space like, like Mark Shapiro has? Listen to all his episodes, follow him for a while and see how he handles these situations. How does he create the narrative arc during a podcast? And that's kind of how you learn by watching other people who've come before you and then shape your own path after that, right? I think that's a great point. And I would just add to that, email Mark Shapiro, email the curbsiders, email the nocturnists, email Dr. V and say, hey, here's my questions. And they're going to answer them. There is a, there is, so my inspiration, the, the person that I think is just the most brilliant interviewer out there is Torre. And his podcast is extraordinary. He's been in the game for forever. He is a master interviewer. He is the greatest interviewer I have ever listened to. I connected with him on social media. I said, would you mind if I emailed you some questions? Yeah, Mark, do it. Emailed him. He sent me like a two-page detailed reply within an wow. hour. In an hour. This is like my, this is my person. This is the person that I've like listened to every episode and been like, okay, how did he do that? Okay, how did he, learning and listening and, and note-taking he replied in an hour. Wow. How do we not live up to that standard? So if someone says, if, if you say, you know, check out Mark's show, email me and let's, and ask me questions. I'm just a person like you who's, I'm still learning too. Um, but that's the responsibility that we have to kind of help each other along the path. And Torre, thank you. That was incredible, man. That was really nice of you. Thank you. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So Mark, how do people find, uh, how do people find your show and find out more about you? Yeah. So the website is www.explorethespaceshow. And on that website, really proud of the website, spent a lot of time building it out. We, we launched it several months ago. It's got the whole podcast archive. It's got a really cool page that's got some information about me. But more importantly, it's got the four pillars of the show. 
illness and recovery, leadership and culture, innovation and education, and the mental and physical edge. We cluster episodes sort of based on the content in one of those four pillars, as we like to call them. And so that's a great place to go and learn. I blog there occasionally. I'm hoping to have more time to do some blogging. And then I'm also really active on Twitter, at ETS Show. Really enjoy engaging on Twitter. People can find me there as well. And we're talking about all kinds of different stuff on social media. And then, of course, email mark at explorethespaceshow.com. I check my email. I reply to my emails. Feedback is really, really valuable to me. We are all still learning. And just like you, things that we're doing well, things that we can do better, stuff you want to hear about, we're all open for it. So those are the places to find me. And I really enjoy interacting with people. And I'm flattered people take the time to listen to the show for sure. So, Mark, it took you four years to become an overnight success. Uh, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, just like Z, I get that from Z Dog, who you had an amazing interview with Z Dog. Honestly, I would tell everyone the place to start on uh, Explore the Spaces with the interview with Z Dog, which was remarkable. Yeah. That but, was uh, but you, uh, you've done, you've set a remarkable example. And uh, for anyone who's thinking about creation of media or just wants a great listen, uh, go over to Mark's site, explore the space. And uh, I'm hoping to have you on here maybe in the next few months and uh, we can catch up again on some of the topical issues. I look forward to it. And I also look forward to doing what I think you and I have termed like a home and home series. So I- I've come to your home court. We've played some full court basketball. Exactly. Now you're going to come over to my show. We're going to play on my court and you're going to get in front of my fans and we're going to play some full court basketball. So I'm looking forward to that too. And Brian, this was a real treat. You, you've blazed a big trail for us on social media and to get to interact with you and to have this conversation feels really good. So I really appreciate the invitation. Thanks, Mark. We'll see you again. Thank you. This show is made possible in part by the Social Health Institute. Through research and partnerships with healthcare organizations around the country, the Social Health Institute explores new and innovative ways for hospitals and healthcare organizations to develop and enhance their social media and digital marketing strategy. To learn more about the Social Health Institute, visit them online at socialhealthinstitute.com. That's socialhealthinstitute.com. Thank you for joining us in the exam room. If you like what you heard here, please rate the program, review us, or let folks know about us. And if you have any really cool ideas that you'd like discussed here, please feel free to let us know. This has been a Touchpoint Media production. To learn more about this show and others like it, please visit us online at touchpoint.health.